Holly. I'm Leslie. And we We would be dead. nature of what we do, and that's hosting a podcast about crime. Mm. I don't know about you, Leslie, but I frequently get private messages on social media. Sometimes they come to the We Would Be Dead accounts, just sending me interesting cases or weird facts or something that happened that they're like, you should know about this. <laughs> yeah, I I don't get the cases as much as I get like the sillier, like fun spots. That makes sense for both of us, the way it seems to be playing out. So I also have gotten people that are like, you know, I have a vested interest in this case. And those cases we've pretty much covered with the exception of one that is, um, was going to trial. And I didn't cover it because I wanted to let the trial play out because I know it can be bad for a case Mm -hmm. if you say stuff before it goes to trial. So like, I'm just going to cryptically talk about that for one second and then go away. Yeah. So if you are the lovely woman that messaged me about her friend's case that I have not yet covered, it is coming. Don't worry. I haven't forgot about you. I know. Isn't that spooky? So spooky. Yeah. And so we're looking at these things and we're thinking like, oh God, I wish that we could give time and space to all of them because you took your time to send us a a message and you thought of us when you saw these articles and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Right? Like we're in people's head. All right. I love it. We're so famous. (laughs) We're so famous. (laughs) One day we'll look back on this episode and be like, we are so famous. (laughs) Or like, man, have we fallen? No, no. Do not manifest that. Get it out of here. Cleanse it with something. I don't know. John, put in a cleansing noise. (laughs) (laughs) But in all serious, um, if we did give time to every single one of these suggestions, I don't think we'd ever get anything else done. It would just be... We don't, there's not enough hours in a day to do it, which is the worst. But we decided we could do periodically these episodes where we just briefly visit a bunch of these little rabbit holes we've gone down, Mm -hmm. um, which would include suggestions from you guys and cases we've come across just while researching. Yeah. Not even cases, even sometimes it's just stuff, Mm -hmm. just interesting stuff that we're like, where do we put it? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what we should call this one. Where do we put it? Where do we put it? (laughs) I kind of like in parentheses, that. stuff. <laughs> Everyone will be like, skip. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it is. This is kind of like a bunch of overflow that we have that is really good stuff, but like, I don't know what to do with it. So, yeah. um, so we're trying something new this week. Cool. And um, I really hope you enjoy it. And But don't worry. We've still been researching and researching and researching for our, our upcoming cases, especially our October stuff. Yes. October is our month. It's our favorite month. It's our favorite month. We both are like October wedding people and we love Halloween. So our October is always top notch. And spending all that time researching our October material has also left us kind of pale. Mm -hmm. Not Leslie. She's a glowing expectant mother. So 
I know, but I'm near the end, so I'm just like, everything is being taken from me. You do have to breathe a little heavily. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we're, we're a little tapped out. And uh, we've tried every remedy mm-hmm. possible at this point, And none of, nothing just gives us the results we're looking for, you like, know. I legit ingested a baby. And I'm, I still am feeling I, dry and tired. You ingested a baby. That's what happened. You ate the baby? Yeah, that's why it's here. Oh, okay. It was a little baby seed and now it's growing. <laughs> that's how babies are made. Yeah. God, I must have had something with a baby seed in it. And I didn't even know it. There you go. You guys, it could just happen. It, yeah. You don't know. You don't know. Sometimes they're in watermelons. That's why you're not supposed to eat the seeds. Oh, boy. I'm never eating. You never know if you get a baby seed. I'm never eating another watermelon for the rest of my life. But um, all of these remedies, including baby seeds, yeah, that's the name of the episode, Okay, didn't work. But I, I do know of one little remedy that I hear whispers about all the time behind closed doors. People don't want you to know. They don't want you to know that this is the solution to all of it, to aging. Mm-hmm. It's the fountain of youth. Wow. And that fountain of youth is just a few drops of validation, a pill worth dying on. Yes. I felt it. Yeah. Felt it in my soul. I feel it coming. And Leslie, best of all, our fiends can give us this priceless ingredient and they don't have to pay a dime. It's totally free. But like, how? But how, you must be asking yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I will tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention. Attention equals support. And support equals more and better content for you. And guys, we've kind of been at like a valley with our reviews. We haven't gotten, mm. we haven't gotten an influx of new ones in a little while. So if you haven't left us a review and you were like, I'm tired, maybe I'll do it later. Before October would be like a really, really great time because that's when people are looking for spooky podcasts. Yeah, just do it now. Yeah. Like you guys can do it, you know, just manifest it. Be like, I want to write that review. And then if you believe that you will, you you will. will. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You will. She she thought she could, so she did. Right. That's what you guys need to manifest. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But I'm making a little extra push this week because next month is so very important for the future of our podcast in general. October Mm -hmm. is when we get a lot of new listeners and it's very important. So if you can and you wouldn't mind, it would make a huge difference to us here at We Would Be Dead. It's so much fun too. It is fun. And then you feel like I really did something for my fellow man. Yeah. It could just be a few words too. It does not have to be long and detailed. You can just be like, love it, the end. I think it's tax deductible too, so... The, the free. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You take that right off your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that will get more and better content for you. But if you can't wait for more content or more, we would be dead in your life. Don't worry. You don't have to. You can support us over on Patreon. There for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30 minute horror movies, special mini-sodes, our weekly after show host mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay. It doesn't matter. You can do either one. Yeah. 
You also will get a special gift in the mail from us. You'll get some giveaway opportunities, some merch deals, an on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. I know some of our patrons are posting pictures of the gifts they just received this month. They're right. really cool. So if you're in our um, our Facebook group, you can see some photos of them over there. It's awesome. So come on over and be part of the We Would Be Dead family. It's nice. Very nice. And if all of that is a little too much for you, you can simply follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like and share our posts. Yes. That's where it's at. Mm. Leave us a comment. Post about your favorite episode. Let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Tell that uh, your friend's friend who you started talking to like in the comments on a social media post and now you like that person better than you liked your original friend. Ooh. Yeah. We won't tell the, the original friend. It's fine. But like, what's the social media friend's name? At Apple Spice and Nothing Nice. Ooh, at Apple Spice and Nothing Nice. I do want to hang out with that person. Yeah. Then Apple Spice and Nothing Nice can become a fiend and we can all hang out together. Love it. Yeah. Even if it's just on social media. Yeah. Because they're (laughs) shady. We don't care. It's fine. We like you. Yeah. We don't need to meet, but... We don't. It's fine. Yeah. And I think... Huh. I think that's most of what I have in the way of announcements. I know Leslie is um, just about to have a baby. Yeah. (laughs) Any, any day now, they said. Yep. Any day now, there will be a new little junior member of our I fiend know, family. A little pod babe. A little pod baby. Oh, <laughs> we need to get her a pod. I know. Like a pea pod. A little pea pod. That'd be so cute. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, things might look a little different in the coming month. You may have, we may need a little help here and there yeah. just because Leslie's going to, you know, give birth. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest thing in the world. So, no. um, but it's all going to be good. It's all going to be, you know, you guys are going to get some really awesome stuff. And Leslie's going to be back on her feet before she knows it because um, Leslie can't sit down. So yeah. <laughs> it's true. I'm having a hard time right now. <laughs> I know, but that's all right. I think that's all of our announcements. I know it was a little scattered this week, but had to get them all in. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? Well, I guess I should just mention that the patron gifts that were that were sent out those are for our best fiends forever that's our top tier yes. and we gave out some really fun t-shirts that are for our patrons who have spent over 200 or have donated and mm-hmm. sponsored us over 200 dollars so far which has been great yes thank um, you and so we have a few more that are going out as well but that is like one of those fun gifts to look forward to and it took me a while to get it together, but we got it together. But they're so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so, so cool. Should we tell them what they are? Keep it a secret. Well, I mean, they're on our Facebook page. Yeah, they're on the Facebook page, but they are, um, was it just as validation? <laughs> and it's this fun little hill. It's a hill. <laughs> It's like the mountaintop hill. I love it so much. <laughs> and they say best fiend forever. So you can, you know, you're branded now. Absolutely. And um, and, and I had some other fun little gifts go out for some of our members that have been with us for nine plus months. Those are little pins that are best fiend forever. Awesome. Um, yeah, just a big thank you because that's a, uh, you guys just really help us out. Yeah, you've updated our studio in many ways. Mm-hmm. You've updated our equipment. It's uh, We can bring things that sound better and are better researched and put together yeah. because of you. So yeah. mm-hmm. thank you, patrons. Thank you so much. It really is a hill worth dying on. 
It sure is. Well, all right then. On with the show. As we mentioned earlier, this episode is organized a little differently. So what we're going to discuss first today is um, the biggest news article you guys shared, the most recent thing. And the one that I can think of that I got the most like links to, and that was placed in our Facebook group, was the man in Pennsylvania that escaped from prison. Yeah. How about, mm-hmm. did you get those two or did you oh, see, yeah. did you notice that? Mm-hmm. I think that was probably the most widely circulated one. So I'm going to read you guys the New York Times article and then we are going to discuss it a little bit. I'm sorry, this one is not New York Times. This one is CNN. So it's titled Escaped Pennsylvania Killer Danilo Cavalcante Taken into Custody After He Was Subdued by a Police Dog. Yeah. So there's a dog in this one and it's a good dog. Don't worry, it doesn't get hurt. We also have a little pod dog here today. Bandit's in the studio being very quiet. Yes, good job, Bandit. Good job, Bandit. Oh, I got another dog. His name is Bandit. He's in yeah. the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we talked about that. We it's still a- have the other dog. Yeah, Dipper's yeah. still here. He's just loud when he's in here. <laughs> so, quote, the convicted murderer who escaped a Pennsylvania prison nearly two weeks ago was taken into custody on Wednesday morning. Pennsylvania State Police announced ending a manhunt that drew hundreds of law enforcement officials to the area and left the surrounding community gripped with fear. Quote, our nightmare is finally over, Chester County District Attorney Ryan declared Wednesday morning. The dramatic capture of Danilo Cavalcante around 8 a.m. on Wednesday in Chester County involved an aircraft, a lightning storm, a police dog, and more than 20 tactical officers, authorities said. That's for one dude. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? And a lot of our listeners live in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So this particular escaped convict, which doesn't happen very often, was literally in their backyards. Right. Like right there. Mm -hmm. At around 1 a.m. Wednesday, an aircraft flying above the search area picked up on a heat signal on the ground. Pennsylvania State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens said in a news conference, a storm rolled in and lightning forced the aircraft out and a tactical team of 20 to 25 officers secured the area and waited out the storm until morning. This is so dramatic. I know. Cavalcante was sleeping when police found him, um, lying on top of a rifle he had stolen from a nearby resident late Monday night. Oh, right, right, right. Because he stole somebody's Mm -hmm, gun. mm Mm-hmm. Officers took Cavalcante by surprise, and he tried to flee by crawling through thick underbrush with the rifle in hand, Bivens said. A police dog was released and bit him. Yes. All right, dog, preventing him from using the rifle. And police then took him uh, into custody. I've never heard that before. Have you? Yeah. A dog, like, attacking them? And yeah. that's how I, mm-hmm. I hadn't... Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I've that's heard why of they, dogs. That's why they send them in. I've heard of them like finding people and barking to alert, but I've oh, never no. heard of them like, I'm going to bite you. Now you can't use a gun. Yeah. Well, because he was probably like, yeah, ar- like he was, he, he was asleep. So I guess oh, the dog, yeah. it was a distraction. Like, so he yeah. got bit and then he wasn't going to go immediately for the gun. He right. was like, a dog bit me. Yeah. But like, I hope that dog gets a medal. Oh, for sure. Well, you imagine the dog like wearing a little dog medal. I can. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> Bivens described Cavalcante as defiant and still resisting arrest and noted that the dog left him with a scalp wound. He bit his head. All right, this dog is no joke. When the dog got to him, 
he went flat with the dog on him. The dog was able to detain him there, Bivens said. He just like, this is like flat. an MMA fight. It's he, nuts. He's just like flattened him out. Yes. He has to tap. <laughs> Bivens said, quote, I was told the rifle was within arm's length, but he was like flat on the ground, so he couldn't this touch it. This is amazing. It's so wild. Video from CNN affiliate KYW of the aftermath of his capture shows Cavalcante in handcuffs and being escorted by more than a dozen heavily armed officers into the back of an armored special response team vehicle. Cavalcante had blood on his face and was wearing dark pants and a Philadelphia Eagles hoodie, which was cut off his body before he was placed into the vehicle. Now, I don't know why they took his Eagles hoodie off. Was it because they were like, you will not? Yeah. <laughs> Besmirch the name of the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Take that off your body. Now, I know that's not a thing, but in Philly, like... It is a it thing. It could be. <laughs> that is 100% a thing. Like, throw it off them and they're like, go birds! Yeah, for sure. I can't. That's so wild. A number of officers also posed for a group photo with the fugitive and the rifle. No one else was injured during the capture. And I have the photo right here. And he's just like the sad looking dude with like a like SWAT team members and a, and a gray Eagles hoodie, which they cut off him. I would love to know why. I just want to think that it's because they couldn't stand to see that guy wearing an Eagles hoodie. I 100% think so. Oh my God. Wow, they're just chanting like, yeah. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. You see how fun that was? You yeah. don't get that. You- <laughs> You're a bad guy and you don't get to be a Birds fan. I bet you can't even spell. Yeah, fuck that. I'm going to go climb a light pole. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> I love Philly. This is This is all said with love. Yeah. Quote, for me, the biggest sense of relief is no one in the community was harmed and no law enforcement officer was harmed either, Bivens said. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. That's very scary. Cavalcante was, quote, a desperate man during his nearly two weeks on the lamb, surviving in part on a watermelon. Oh, no, he might be pregnant. Ooh. He found at a farm and drinking stream water. He was like roughing it. Okay. Robert Clark, supervisory deputy U.S. marshal for Pennsylvania's Eastern District, said Wednesday. Clark cited what deputy marshals told him about an interview that Cavalcante had with law enforcement officials after the fugitive's capture. Quote, he was actively avoiding apprehension. Well, obviously, he was running away from the police. And shortly after he escaped from the prison, he had hunkered down in an area that was very, very secluded, very, very wooded. And he didn't move for the first couple days. So he just like stayed in the woods. He was hunkering. Clark, who did not speak with Cavalcante as we said this. Cavalcante also told law enforcement he planned to carjack someone by Thursday and drive to Canada to continue evading authorities. Quote, he said the law enforcement presence where he was was immense and he felt that he needed to leave. You think so? Yeah. You think? Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't stay in your Eagles hoodie in mm-hmm. Philly, hiding in the woods. I got mm-hmm. it. Although he did evade the law for two weeks, which mm-hmm. is insane to me. The capture ended a nearly two-week manhunt that began when Cavalcante, 34 years old, escaped from Chester I County Prison. I know, me too. In a rural area some 30 miles west of Philadelphia on August 31st. Here it comes. Video of the escape show him placing his arms on a fence and his legs on a wall and, quote, crab walking <laughs> up to the roof where he then slipped through razor wire and fled the compound. Yeah. 
he crawled up that wall like a spider uh-huh. and then just slipped through razor wire. I mean, I think he deserved it. Like, I think he deserved <laughs> you earned leaving. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was convicted last month of first degree murder for the killing of his former girlfriend, 33-year-old Deborah Brandio, and sentenced to life in prison. Okay, so he killed his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He should yeah. be in prison. According to prosecutors, Cavalcante stabbed Okay, there's a tilde over the A, and I I don't know exactly how to pronounce that. I'm going to say Brandao, Brandeo, 38 times in front of her two young children in Pennsylvania in April of 2021. Oh, he stabbed her in front of her children? Yeah. Okay, get him and put him away. Yeah, totally. He was arrested several hours after the killing in Virginia, and authorities said he was attempting to flee to Mexico and intended to head to Brazil, his native country. So this guy is not the first time he, like, planned running away. Mm. In addition, Cavalcante is wanted in a 2017 homicide case in Brazil, a U.S. Marshal Service official said. The sister of the woman he killed, her name is Sarah, said in a statement after Cavalcante's capture that her family is, quote, profoundly grateful for the support and hard work performed by law enforcement. Sarah said the escape and the days that followed evoked the feeling of losing her sister all over again. Quote, the past two weeks were extremely painful and terrifying as they brought back all the feelings of losing my sister and the idea that this criminal could hurt us again. I mean, it's so hard to feel safe if you see that this person escaped prison. Yeah. Um, She said this in her statement, which was translated into English. Quote, at this moment, me and my family need to regroup and focus on processing everything that has happened as we take care of each other. I think I would just move. Yeah. I would have to be way far away somewhere else. The prison escape upended lives in South Coventry Township, which has a population of just over 2,600. About 500 law enforcement officers, including members of the Pennsylvania State Police, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the FBI, and U.S. US Marshals had set up a perimeter in the wooded area. 500 people were out to find this guy. Yeah. During his two weeks on the run, Cavalcante was spotted inside homes. Yeah. Ooh, so he was sneaking into people's houses. Yeah. He managed to slip through police search perimeters. He stole a van. He changed his appearance. He showed up at the doorsteps of people who knew him years ago and stole a gun. Mm -hmm. God, pursuing law enforcement officials almost stepped on a hiding cavalcante or came within yards of him three times during the search. The prisoner claimed after he was caught, according, so they were like Mm -hmm. just right on top of him and they didn't see him. This guy is good at going flat. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Clark citing what he was told about Cavalcante's interview with law enforcement officials did say that when these near encounters allegedly happened, um, quote, that just proves that, that just proves to you how thick the vegetation and foliage was, Clark said. It was an immense area to search. I don't think the public understands how hard it was in extreme heat and extreme conditions to locate him. So they were in like really dense forests. Sounds like a lot of excuses to me. Yeah, um, a little bit. <laughs> Where are your dogs then? Police sent out several reverse 911 calls. What's a reverse 911 call? To residents warning them of the danger and advising people to lock their doors. Okay, so I did know that. That's what Mm -hmm. a lot of people posted in our group and and we're talking about was that they were getting these notifications from local police that they should stay in their house and lock their door because he was close by. I would have been like vomiting. That's... (laughs) I would never get over the anxiety of it. I'd be like... (sighs) 
he's probably in my attic and I don't know it. And he's going to come out in the middle of the night and I'm gonna, that's what's going to happen. I would just like be losing my mind. That's when you finally would do your traveling. You'd be like, you know what? I have to leave. <laughs> that was a great time to go abroad. Yeah, I got I to gotta see this big old world of ours yeah. that doesn't have advisories from the police. I just can't. That, I feel like that is one of the most terrifying things to happen is you get this notification that's like, hey, don't leave your house. An escape mm-hmm. criminal with a gun is breaking into people's houses. Yeah. I, I, panic attack. Instant panic attack. Anyway, I guess that's what a reverse 911 call is. Yeah. Um, Catherine Evans, who lives near the area where Cavalcante was captured, had been working from home with the doors locked, keeping a close watch on her surroundings from a window overlooking her backyard. I'd be doing the same thing. Quote, I'm in shock that he was this close, Evan told CNN after Cavalcante's capture was announced. Quote, I'm very relieved to get back to normal, the normal grind that I don't look forward to. I am very much looking forward to it. Oh. <laughs> so funny. I love that quote. I know. Normally it's boring, but I'm just excited about it now. Yeah. Good job. I appreciate it. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so following his capture, Cavalcante was driven to the state police barracks in Avondale, where he was escorted by a handful of police officers. As of 3 p.m. on the Wednesday in question, he was in the state correctional institution, Phoenix, a Pennsylvania state prison, located in Montgomery County, where he will serve his mandatory life sentence for first-degree murder, the state's Department of Corrections confirmed. SCI Phoenix is a maximum security prison and has a capacity for 3,830 inmates, according to the prison's website. In addition to the first-degree murder conviction, Cavalcante has been charged with felony escape. Yeah, I hope so. And his bail was denied. They thought he was going to have bail? (laughs) What? After his court appearance on Wednesday, according to court records. He was arraigned at 10.30 a.m. and is expected to be in court again for preliminary hearings on September 27th, so that's coming up. An attorney has not been listed. He is expected to be arraigned on felony escape charges and then will be transferred to a state correctional institution. Holy cannoli. I, you know what's really messed up about that one? He is not the first person to escape that prison the exact same way. Right. Somebody else did that in like 2012. I don't Mm -hmm. have the article up, but like, don't you think that that area would need something else? Right, right. What do you need to do to make it not easy to like I mean, crab walk up the wall? I, I mean, but that was just one other person in 2000. Like, well, it was not that long ago, but they did I mean, the same but thing. But that's over a decade ago. I you guess, know, if yeah. they're only one a decade, I can see that that's like probably a good Is it? ratio. Escaped yeah. convicts are not common. It so very rarely happens that it is extremely noteworthy. Or do they says. not talk about it? Maybe do they, they keep don't. it under wraps. You know what? Maybe they're all over like the place. Like if they didn't get, you know, like maybe they do escape, but then like they're caught really fast. So they're like, shh, 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 shh. Yeah. But this one was like, okay, he's like He's gone. in the woods in people's houses. We have got <laughs> we to talk about it. We have to tell people. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, that's the story that you guys um, had sent me a million times. I can't really... I mean, like, there's not, I can't do all of the research until, like, it's done pretty much. And I don't know how much there is into it, but, like, it is a very interesting case. I don't, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that before. Yeah, not, it might not be modern. interesting to talk about, like, what, like, like, go deeper into Maybe we could, in, in the future, do devoted episode to people who escaped. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. If you guys think that would be fun, let us know. Because mm-hmm. he isn't the only one, but recently... I can't remember another, like, manhunt for an escaped criminal that happened. That was, like, even that scary, too. Like, like yeah. he, is, he is, like, somebody that has, like, killed people. Right. 
And I know they were saying like when he grabbed the gun, like some people were like, well, does he really just have that for like his own protection? Like maybe against like police officers. Right. But they were just like, no, he's like killed people before and like crimes of opportunity. Like he would shoot you to get take your car. To take your car or take so, money like, or whatever. If you have something he wants, yeah. he's going to kill you. Yeah. Like he'll do it. Crazy. That is super scary. Yeah. Okay. So we have discussed that. Leslie, do you you have something for us next? I think you do. I do. So this segment Mm -hmm. is called On This Day. Yes. This is where we discuss a true crime event or events, if we have a couple, that happened on this very day. September 21st. Yes. Okay. So, Leslie, you have one for us first, right? I do. So on this day of September 21st, out of breath. I know. Well, I just realized the first sentence, like I started so light and it's going to be not light. No, it's heavy. The mutilated body of 13-year-old paper boy Danny Joe Eberle. I think it's Eberly. Eberly. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Of Danny Joe Eberly is found in his hometown of Bellevue, Nebraska. Eberly had been stabbed multiple times, bound with rope and tortured to death. Mind you, um, I got this article from um, history.com. FBI investigators called in to help catch the vicious killer found only one clue that could help them. The rope that had been used to tie up the victim was so unusual that the FBI had no records of similar ropes made by any domestic manufacturers. Hmm. As they began looking into international rope manufacturers, The body of another 12-year-old boy, Christopher Walden, was found deep in the woods near Bellevue, covered with snow. With no leads as to the origin of the rope, the FBI concentrated on a witness who claimed to have seen Walden with a young man shortly before his disappearance. The witness, who agreed to be hypnotized to try to provide a description of the man, couldn't produce a vivid picture, but managed to remember a tan sedan and seven digits in no particular order from the license plate. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, Nebraska had over 1,000 license plates with these digits. Oh. Yeah, that happens. I guess so. The break in the case finally came on January 11th, 1984, when the operator of a Bellevue daycare center noticed that a suspicious man was cruising the street outside and reported the license plate number to the police. Detectives traced the car to a dealership that told them that the car was on loan to John Jubert, a 20-year-old radar technician. Jubert's car, which was fixed at the dealership, was a tan sedan that had a license plate containing two of the seven digits that had been recalled by the witness. Just two of the seven. Yikes. When police caught up with Jubert, he had a duffel bag with a hunting knife and Uh, a length of rope inside. And he was by a daycare. I know. Uh. The rope turned out to be identical to the one found on Danny Joe. Eberly and Jubert was charged with multiple counts of murder. Apparently, the unusual rope had been especially made for the military in the Far East and brought back to the United States by one of Jubert's friends. Whoa. Delving, Why would you use that? Ugh. Delving deeper into his background, investigators found that Jubert was also responsible for an earlier murder of an 11 year old oh boy in Maine. After being convicted of the two murders in Nebraska and sentenced to death in 1984, he was convicted of the murder in Maine as well and executed in 1996. Wow. Oh, that was on this day. I wonder 1984. what the why is on that guy. Why was he 
killing children. I don't know, but that might be an episode. What's his later name? Later on. Maybe. What's his name again? Um, it was Jubert. Like John Jubert. So J O U B E R T. Jaubert. Yeah, listed as American serial killer. And he looks very normal. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my maybe god. We'll cover him yeah, in a future I think episode. I think this is definitely this is definitely an episode. There's mm-hmm. a lot. Victims, more than three. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's listed as a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Span of crimes, August 22nd, um, 1982 to December 2nd, 1983. So that's in a short period of time, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. Well, we'll bookmark that because that's a really... I had never heard of that before. Me and that's a really wild case. See, this is how we discover things, you guys. Holly, do you have another on this day? I just have a little one. Um, On this day in 2021, um, Brian Laundrie took his own life. I can't believe that was two years ago. Yeah, that's what really got me when I saw that. I'm like, this is kind of notable. I mean, it is what it is, but it feels like it was just a minute ago that we were all talking about that case. At length, people were looking for him. Um, I mean, like, Gabby was just missing for so mm-hmm. long. And I just, it's wild that it was that long ago. I, I remember that we were like sitting at my, in my old house mm-hmm. at this dining room table. And it was like fall was coming. And, you know, I, I do have like pretty vivid memories of us talking about that. And probably because it was such a, it was huge. It was like the yeah. biggest thing. Exactly. But like, also, do you have any other thoughts about like, the season coming up right now. You know, I do, Holly. You do? I do. And I have another segment for you. Oh, I'm so excited. What is it? This one's called Leslie's List. <laughs> Listing a bunch of things. Woo! <laughs> That's Leslie's jingle. Yeah. We only have one. Yeah. <laughs> I like listing a bunch of things. Oh, that's, Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working it out. There is an air punch every time we do that. Mm -hmm. Woo. Okay. Give us a list, Leslie. What are you listing today? So I was thinking about the fall and I was thinking about like all the little festivals that we can go to. Yeah, so fun. All the fun things we can do. And I was just like, hmm, what would I like to do? Okay. I'd like to walk through some really awesome cemeteries. Yeah. That sounds fun. And I felt like our fiends would also love to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. So here are my top five cemeteries to visit this fall. And there's a lot of them, but here's just the five I picked out today. Yep. Okay. So first up, I have um, the Oak Grove Cemetery in Fall Fall River, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And I've been to Fall River and I didn't go to the cemetery. Okay. So at Oak Grove Cemetery in Fall River, Mass, um, it was established in 1855. Visitors can view the grave of the infamous Lizzie Borden who was accused of murdering her father and stepmother, Andrew and Abby Borden, uh, with an axe in 1892. You go listen to our episode on it. Yes. Go, go, go. Abby and Andrew are also buried at the family monument along with Lizzie's sister, Emma. But even more chilling, in 1866, Oak Grove also became the final resting place for more than 255 children in just one year. (gasps) Possibly due to a cholera epidemic that broke out in the state that year, but more likely a child vampire was trying to make long-lasting friendships. As we all (laughs) know, generally the age of vamps, uh, the like the the adult vamps, find that child vampires like to be unethical. So her adult vampire companions 
wanting to stay low key, needed to clean up her mess. So that's probably what happened. Is that your theory, Leslie? Yes. That's a good one. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, an interesting fact about Fall River and Lizzie Borden. If you're there and you visit her house there, you do any of the things. I, it, it, the common consensus there is that she did not do this. People are, people Mm -hmm. like Lizzie there. They don't speak ill of her. No. They really don't. So don't be, don't be mean. Yeah, don't be too mean about her. I mean, like, but be if careful you of where you are. If episode, yeah. you will have gotten that warning. So go listen to the episode. Yeah, so either they think, I should say, either they think she didn't do it or they think that if she did, it was um, with very good reason. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. People are not anti-Lizzie there. Yeah. All right, so number two. Hope Cemetery in the self-titled granite capital of the world, oh. Barrie, Vermont, is a jaw-dropping open-air sculpture garden featuring locally quarried granite carved into everything from angels to sports cars to life-size portraits. Wow. At night, it's especially easy to mistake a carved statue of a human for a real person. Ooh, no, that's spooky. Yeah. Barry is also known for having an uncommonly high death rate, but that too is related to the industry that made it famous. Silicosis, a respiratory disease that is caused by inhaling gran- uh, granite dust. Oh. Yeah. So then a lot of people like were mining for granite and their lungs mm-hmm. got. That's like, um, this is a weird tangent, but a lot of. We're, it's okay. This is a rabbit yeah, hole episode. That's true. <laughs> um, my family, the Birches, that's my maiden name on my father's side is from um, England. They're from a place called Stoke-on-Trent and they were mostly potters. So mm. they made. Um, Back in the dark ages when you used like coal and there was dust everywhere, they made pottery and a lot of them, to most of them, died of potter's lung. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. this very similar thing. Mm, like a Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. You're related. So, okay. Um, yep. So that led, the granite dust led to um, an abnormal number of deaths in the area. And then when the Spanish flu swept through the area, many knew that death could be just around the corner and got to work designing their own tombstones. Oh, wow. Yeah. This tradition has carried on ever since. And about 75% of all the tombstones found in Hope Cemetery were carved by the occupants of the graves they sit above. And the cemetery is especially gorgeous when the leaves turn in autumn. I'm looking at pictures, you guys. It is phenomenal. It is. Yeah. So go. These are not just like little tombstones. It's like a full car, mm-hmm. a Superman emblem. It's like people, angels, airplane. It it's wow. Yeah. It's like spectacular. Yep. And now's the time to visit. Yeah. All right. Number three, Mount Hope Cemetery in Bangor, Maine. This cemetery was the inspiration for Stephen King's pet cemetery. And <laughs> you should not go there. <laughs> and became a site for filming during 1989 adaptation. Um, fun fact that I just learned from my brother oh, no. is that, so I always say Pet Cemetery is like the first horror movie yes. that I watched and has like deterred me from all horror movies. Yep. I was five years old, right? Um, it was actually Pet Cemetery 2. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it so much worse because it's just terrible. <laughs> And you didn't even know what happened in Pet Cemetery One. I don't. I don't know. I've never. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Just found that out recently. Damn it! <laughs> oh no! I know. All right. So John and I actually, my husband John and the editor of podcast had uh, we had the privilege of visiting this cemetery, and it's absolutely beautiful. 
Yeah, it's, like, it's great. Um, it was established in 1839 and is the second oldest garden cemetery in the U.S. Mm. More than 30,000 people are buried there. It's huge. And the vibe is much more like of a romantic vibe than you get from other cemeteries because it has one of the first, it was one of the first to be designed more as a garden park where people were encouraged to visit and spend time. Mm -hmm. It's very accessible with paved roads, meant for joggers, walkers, moms strolling with their babies. For sure. Um, and if you're lucky on a rainy day, you might even see a corpse leg or entire body come out of the ground. What? <laughs> um, so initially, bodies were just buried without a casket. Oh, there, shoot. And, they're, and it's all hilly, too. Like, there's a bunch of hills. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Stuff. It's very pretty, though. It's gorgeous. Um, so obviously, like, the keepers and stuff there have been, like, working on fixing this, like, mm -hmm. getting people into caskets or moving bodies around. Yes. Because some of them are just, like, so old from there. Um, but they probably haven't found all of the free-spirited bodies yet. Free range. Free, Free range. range. Bodies. Yeah. All right. Oh um, number four, Swan Point Cemetery in Providence, Rhode Island. Hmm. This is another cemetery designed more like a park with benches and picnic grounds. The cemetery on a Blackstone Boulevard was founded in 1846. Not only is it the site where horror author H.P. Lovecraft was buried, but it's also famous as being a place where Edgar Allan Poe would take his lady, Sarah Helen Whitman, for strolls. Mm -hmm. um, he would also propose to her here. It's um, very pretty. It's gorgeous. Um, I highly recommend grabbing a pumpkin chai oat milk latte or a spiked apple cider and enjoying <sighs> the serene environment. Um, both now. Yeah. Well, so also John and I did visit this one. And this really? is where I thought years ago he was actually going to propose to me. Aww. And it wasn't that I was expecting it. It was that all of a sudden I felt like, wait, is he going to propose to me oh, in no. a cemetery? <laughs> because he told me the romantic story about Edgar Allan Poe right. and, and Sarah Whitman. So like he's like discussing the whole thing and how like he would court her there and he'd read her his poems and she'd read her poems. And, so and it's then, not that you're disappointed, but like, yeah. And then how H.P. Lovecraft, who's one of his favorite authors, yep. too, would go there because he knew, like, Poe was there as well. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, my God, he's going to propose to me here. And then we just left. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> but we no. had a lovely rest of the time. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, this has beautiful, like, weeping does, cherry yeah. trees, like mm -hmm. the, or no, the other, like a willow with the blossoms. So that's like a weeping cherry. They're really, it's a really beautiful place. Yeah. So some say that H.P. Lovecraft haunts the grounds, but if you know anything about him, then you would know that his anemic, frail body would have very little energy to do such a thing. So he just sit, sit haunts the grounds. He probably, yeah, he probably just okay. sits there and raids and judges people. That's fine. You do you. Yeah. All right. And the last one is the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Um, this one is in New York. I am dying to go to Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I know. I always pass it. I'm like, I should just like get off the exit go so and go. Bad. So this is a popular tourist destination, obviously, um, and is the final resting place for several famous Americans, including industrialist Andrew Carnegie and a short story writer, Washington Irving. Do you have you ever heard of him? Um, yeah. <laughs> the cemetery holds numerous events for visitors to enjoy, especially during fall. Um, in a lot of these cemeteries that I picked out, do you have like some tours and things like that to oh, go yeah. through? But this one especially does. Um, the visitors can participate in an evening with Edgar Allan Poe, who lived the remaining 
few years of his life in a cottage 20 miles away from the cemetery and beyond the legend where a local storyteller brings to life some of Washington Irving's most memorable scary stories, including the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Cool. And they also offer murder mystery events, walking ghost tours, and more. And more. (laughs) So Cool. I'm dying to go there. You didn't mention my favorite cemetery, though. No, I didn't think. I mean, well... You tell me what it is. <laughs> it's clearly um, Old Bearing Point in Salem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to include it, but I thought we might talk about that maybe in, a, yeah, in an we, episode. Yeah, we might have more on Salem. Yeah. So, but so. yeah, that's that's my favorite. It's really beautiful. But anyway, yes, these are cool. These are very cool. I mean, I know that sometimes it can seem like, oh, why would you go walk around a cemetery? Probably not to our listeners, let's no. be quite honest. Yeah. But <laughs> perhaps like, oh, it's so morbid or whatever. But no, these are like... They're meant to be beautiful places where... It costs a lot of money to bury somebody. So if uh, yeah. somebody is going to spend that money on me, yeah. I hope people go to fucking visit it. Yeah, and to maintain. I mean, it's not yeah. like these are overgrown nightmares. They're like a beautifully man, like manicured, yeah. serene place. They're they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you, if you like a walk through a cemetery, Leslie is correct. Wow. Yeah. Good finds, Leslie. Thanks. Today is your lucky list. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we figured we'd give you guys a few um, updates Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on cases that we haven't necessarily covered, but they are kind of everywhere. Mm -hmm. These are things that I know a lot of our listeners are following. And um, two out of the three we have not covered because they are ongoing mm-hmm. and because families are saying like, please don't devote all of your energy to this right now because mm-hmm. they need to, they need to, you know, figure some shit out. But I figured we could give you a little update because we are all talking about them. Awesome. Um, and the first one is, this is just very, very recently. I just found this one. Uh, one of our fiends sent this, sent an article about this case to me, and it is about a teacher in Philadelphia who was found in her apartment with 20 stab wounds. So she was found, I believe, um, I'll just read you guys the article, but there's a couple shocking twists to this case. An appellate court panel upheld a ruling that a Philadelphia teacher found dead in 2011 with 20 stab wounds had killed herself but slammed the police investigators as deeply flawed, according to court documents. So this woman was found dead of 20 stab wounds, and now twice it has been deemed in court that this was a death by suicide, which to me is insane. I know. I'll read you the rest of the New York Post roundup, but this is something that, I mean, like, obviously the case has been tried twice, but I feel like it's not over. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family of Ellen Greenberg, 27 years old, has fought for more than a decade to overturn the city's ruling over the death of the teacher whose corpse was riddled with stab wounds, including 10 to the back of the head and neck. Greenberg's family hired a team of experts in the aftermath of her death who pointed out that a knife in her apartment was overturned, possibly suggesting that she had been involved in a struggle and a gash on the back of her head may have rendered her unconscious and unable to defend herself. Her family has also questioned why she filled up her gas tank before coming home and didn't leave a note indicating she had planned to take her own life. An appellate panel ruled Wednesday that Greenberg's parents, Joshua and Sandra, lacked the standing for a civil suit, but the judges criticized the city police, prosecutors, the medical examiner's office, and pathologist 
Marlon Osborne and Sam Galino for blunders made in their investigations. The facts surrounding this matter are extremely disturbing and the parents' tireless efforts over the past 12 years to learn exactly what happened to their daughter on the evening of January 26, 2011, warrant our sincere sympathy, Judge Ellen Seisler wrote. Uh, sympathy? The experts they enlisted have all raised serious factual questions about Dr. Osborne and Dr. Galino's conclusions, and even the medical examiner's office now concedes that there is, quote, no dispute that evidence in the record could support other conclusions about the manner of death. Seisler slammed Osborne in particular over his initial conclusion that Greensburg death, Greensburg's death was a homicide, which came after the crime scene had been cleaned up before police could arrive. Oh, my God. No. The panel added that there was no record of officers interviewing the company that cleaned up the crime scene, the building manager, or the police department representatives who told the manager to hire a cleanup crew. Yeah. Joe Pedraza, the family's attorney, added that the building manager had taken video of the crime scene prior to the cleanup and gave it to the police, but the video is unaccounted for. This is tricky. Yep. He previously claimed that the evidence showed that at least two of the 20 stab wounds were inflicted after Greensburg Hart had already stopped beating. So how did she do that to herself? Right. And why would she stab herself in the back the back of the neck? The attorney slammed the appellate court's ruling as a failure to find justice for a murder victim. Yeah, I agree. Yes. The majority opinion is a roadmap on how to commit murder and not to be held accountable, Pedraza told Fox. That's the most astounding aspect of the opinion. You have, as I read it, three judges saying this young woman was murdered. The investigation is grossly flawed and embarrassing. There is a murderer or murderers out there, but our hands are tied and nobody can do anything except the government officials and you're therefore subject to their whims. A spokesperson for the city said that officials are sympathetic to Greenberg's family, but pleased with the court's decision. Greensburg parents plan to appeal the decision to the state's Supreme Court. I fucking hope they do. Greensburg's death is also being reviewed by Chester County District Attorney's Office with the family pursuing a separate civil lawsuit alleging a cover-up over her death. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I like, I feel like if anything at this point, the people that cleaned up the crime scene, all that, like these yeah. people need to be held accountable. Why aren't we looking at that building manager? Yeah. He called and said, come and clean this shit up. I took a video. It's fine. But I lost the video. I'm sorry. Yeah, and well, then the cleanup crew should also be held accountable. Like, where's the police? Yeah, do I we have record documents. that it's okay for us to do this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I all think these that's... people should be, like, because nobody else can be, all those people should be held yeah, accountable. I agree. This is so wild to me that that's, like, it, it feels like such a clear case to investigate and to and and try as a homicide. that are, like, it's a, it's suicide, a suicide should also be fired. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what ridiculous. You, There's a clear cover-up happening. Uh, yeah, I agree. And the and medical examiners, like, too? Cool. That's nuts. Everybody's in on it. What's happening? I don't know, but, like, I, I will, we will await, uh, I guess there are appeals and what the detectives can find. Well, I don't know who they're going to have find stuff. The detectives don't seem to be working for the family in this case, but we'll see. Right. Um, but that, it's just, I was so shocked by that. That's, I can't believe that, even in the appeal, they're like, no, she definitely killed herself. Ha! So my other two little bitty updates before we wrap this up with a nice little Leslie segment are um, things that we've talked about that I just want to kind of make clear on 
our main feed. Mm-hmm. And the first is, I know that we talked, I posted about um, an episode of 2020 that aired last week on Alyssa Turney. Mm-hmm. And I specifically said, what we're not going to do is watch it. And I know I've been asked in our Facebook group, but I will explain it here just in case you're not like, you know, teasing through those feeds. So Alyssa Turney's family, specifically her sister, Sarah, who is very well known in the true crime community. Um, they, she doesn't approve of the episode of 2020. They did not take her statements. They did not, they did not include her. They really made it um, about talking to her stepfather who was accused of Alyssa's murder. Mm. Oh, that's right. It was very yeah. much like, let's find, he's finally going to talk. Mm. Uh, I, I, we, we shouldn't have interest in hearing him talk. First of all, he was acquitted of the murder because of lack of evidence. There's no body right now. Alyssa mm-hmm. is still missing. And that was devastating. Like, if you're in the true crime community any more deeply than just us, which a lot of you are, you know that that happened. And you know that it was shocking that he ended up getting acquitted. I mean, I, mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's our theme here. Like, shocking nonsense that happens that you cannot believe. Um, and Sarah Turney has a podcast called Voices for Justice. The first season of that is wholly devoted to her sister's case. It is very detailed. She speaks to her stepfather. She lays everything out. If you want to know about Alyssa's case for real, go listen to mm-hmm. what Sarah has to say. She's done some pretty magnificent advocacy too for other um, victim families. She's raised money to put up billboards for missing people. She's done so, so much. And so this 2020 episode feels... I mean, to her, it seemed like a big slap in the face. Her post about it said that it was, quote, pure entertainment. Mm-hmm. And um, as as much as all true crime does have an entertainment element to it, you shouldn't be teasing out a plot line that looks more entertaining than the truth. That's not, that's not what we should be doing. Right. Um, so I was very disappointed that a major news outlet was doing that. I mean, I'm sure they do it all the time. Right. But specifically, if you want to know about that case and you saw the headline, you saw the 2020 trailer and you're like, oh, I'm interested, just go listen to Voices for Justice. Mm-hmm. So that's that. And then lastly, I know that we have briefly spoken about, and again, if you're in this community heavily, you've heard about uh, Alicia Navarro. Alicia uh, was a young girl who went missing four years ago. She left her home in Arizona in Glendale in the middle of the night. Um, she left a note behind that said that she ran away, she was sorry, and she'd be back. And that was four years ago. And her mother has never, ever stopped looking for her. And um, her picture has been everywhere. I mean, like, this is a very mm-hmm. well-publicized case, and people were absolutely looking for her. And um, just about a month ago, in a little police station in Montana, a young woman walked in, walked up to the front desk, and apparently said that she was Alicia Navarro and she wanted to be taken off the missing children's list. Mm. And it was Alicia. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. She was in a town called Haver, Montana. And she spoke to police, but she's 19 at this point. So she's an adult. She mm-hmm. can do whatever she wants. Um, and this is a very complex and confusing situation that we really don't know much about yet. And she disappeared on September 15th, 2019. And she was 14 years old at that point. So yes, she's just over, I think she had a birthday. So she might be 19 now. It doesn't matter. She's an adult. And she made her way from Arizona to Montana 
as a child and has been living some kind of life since then. Now, her mother claims that she's like, you know, she had a pretty active online presence. She was concerned that she was meeting someone she had met online. And um, she was active in like comic book forums and stuff. And she went to conventions and things. And the, one of the only things she brought when she left was like a valuable comic book. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people assume she went to like meet somebody or to go to a con or like that. That was like kind of the through line. We don't, we really don't know. But she has not seen her mother. She has not revealed any information. We just know that she's not missing. And she um, was seen then afterwards in a house with a man named Eddie Davis, who was uh, quite a few years her senior, um, where neighbors said that they were living together. And um, then they left that house after that went positively viral and fled to a neighboring um, reservation. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about that is, and I won't say which one because I don't want people tracking this case because specifically Alicia's mother does not want that because it, it spooks them out once already. Right, yeah. So we don't want to do that again. But here's the thing about hiding on a reservation. And when they originally announced that Alicia was in a town in Montana, like 35 miles away from the Canadian border, I said, I wonder what's there. And I looked it up on Google Maps and I like kind of zoomed in and it's, it's reservations. And they have their own justice system. So the first thing in my mind was if she was coerced to be on a reservation for any length of time, they would never have found her because they consider it to be the reservation's police job to do, to, you know, police that area. And they're very underfunded. They're very like, they don't have access to a lot of things. It would be the perfect place to hide someone. So, um, I find all of that like wildly disturbing and kind of linked to the problem with missing and, and murdered indigenous women too. It's for the same reason. They're on a reservation. There's there's no real police force. Right. It just happens. And then the state police just ignores it because they're like, well, mm-hmm. that was your job. I got to go. Bye. Yeah. But people with no funding, no training, no equipment, no nothing, you expect them to solve these things. And if that's where Alicia was hiding, of course, nobody saw her. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she was. That is just the suspicion that I had. And the fact that she ended up on one makes me go, I don't know that this is the first place, she, first time she's been to one. Right. And I hate that thought. Yeah. Yeah. So. I guess I just hope that it's un- it's unfortunate to us right now. Yeah. Because we would like a full explanation. explanation. But, um, but I do. And I feel bad for her mom that. I feel horrible yeah, for her mother. I hope that her mother gets it. I hope she at least gets an explanation one day. But I do hope that. Like I know that she was really young. So like. It still like scares me like how there's, that happened. There's a crime in there is the thing. Right, right. No matter what, like something, something just wasn't okay there. Yeah. But I do hope that maybe it's okay. Yeah, me too. You just can't hold a 14-year-old mm-hmm. who you're claiming to be like your girlfriend or something who ran away mm-hmm. from home. Like that's not legal. You can't, I don't care if she left of her own accord. Yeah. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's not your child. Right. Definitely. But who knows what's going to happen? I Like oh. like you said, I just hope her mother gets, I hope her mom gets to see her. I know. I just hope she gets to see her. Yeah. I, my heart would be like thumping out of my chest. And I know her, her mother is just so damn grateful she's alive. Yeah. Because really most people thought they were looking for a body. Right. And the fact that she just walked in of her own accord alive and well is 
astounding. Mm-hmm. Not the way these cases usually end. So it'll be very interesting to see that as it develops, though I'm not going to make a big fuss about it. And please do not engage. Here's two things I ask of you. I said, don't watch the episode of 2020. And um, also like, don't click on the, don't click on the the um, trailers and don't share them with the heading, like don't watch this because you're still engaging with 2020. You're still giving them ratings on that specific topic and they will take that as an indication to talk about it more. Don't do that. Don't engage with all of the TikToks that are saying, here's where Alicia Navarro is. Here's like, exa- I'm trailing her. I'm, I'm tracking her or whatever. That gives those people priority on TikTok and shows more people those things. And then that's going to make Alicia run even farther. And that's not what we want. We don't want to hurt these families. We want to help them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, know that this happened, but like try to not take justice too hard into your own hands. Yeah. So, yeah. So to close up our episode, we have one more little bit from Leslie. What do we call this bit? This bit is called Warm and Fuzzies. Yay! Yes, this is Leslie's Warm and Fuzzies. Today is a fuzzy day. Woo! <laughs> one jingle. You get one. Everything just goes into that one. All right. All right. So this was definitely a rabbit hole find. Um, I was I searching wait. for, I don't even remember at this point what I was searching for. She would not tell but... me what this is either. I have never heard it. No. <laughs> and Holly was constantly like, like, well, like, hopefully I don't like, you know, talk about the same thing. I was like, you won't. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> this is where my research leads me down. Got okay? it, got it, got it. This article is from the New York Times and it's, and it's titled, She Steals Surfboards by the Seashore. She's a sea otter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. All right. For the past few summers, numerous surfers in Santa Cruz, California, have been victims of a crime at sea. Mind you, this article is from this year, July 12th, 2023. So this is very recent. All right. Okay. Yeah. So they're calling this board jacking. The culprit is a female sea otter who accosts the wave riders, seizing and even damaging their surfboards in the process. Oh, boy. After a weekend in which the otter's behavior seemed to grow more aggressive, Wildlife officials in the area said on Monday that they have decided to put a stop to these acts of <gasps> no, otter larnacy. No. Larceny. Larnacy. Oh, <laughs> not larnacy. Larceny. Quote, due to the increasing public safety risk, a team from CDFW and the Monterey Bay Aquarium trained in the capture and handling of sea otters has been deployed to attempt to capture and rehome her end quote. A spokesperson from the California Department of Fish and Wildlife said in a statement, local officials call the, I don't know why they say the animal otter. In case you have a person otter too. Oh, 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 wait, wait, no, I got it. So they call the animal, which is an otter, Mm -hmm. otter 841. They didn't even give it a name? It's probably 841. Yeah. So I'm going to go into the past. All right. So the five-year-old female is well known for both her bold behavior and her ability to hang 10. So bold. <laughs> and she has a tragic backstory, no! Holly, with officials now forced to take steps that illustrate the ways human desire to get close to wild animals can cost the animals their freedom no. or worse, their lives. So um, I'll do like a, a really brief rundown. So her backstory is sad. So her mom was in the wild as well. Like, right, right, right. Like and, um, but a lot of times when uh, these sea otters get pregnant, um, sometimes, so like most of the sea otters don't engage with humans. They're scared of them. Right. Um, but sometimes when they become pregnant, 
they do because they're looking for food and things like that. So they mm. they end up um, kind of going closer to humans and the humans think they're cute. So they'll feed them. Right. They're very so, cute. Yeah. So Otter841, mm. <laughs> her, her mother like got close to some of the humans, but then um, they brought the like wildlife people brought her into like a zoo, you know, to be like inhabited. And then she gave birth to Otter 841. Mm. So Otter 841 was born in like a sanctuary, but then escaped. Oh my God. Like the escape prisoner. Yeah. That is a theme today. uh, Well, so in the mother died. So she (gasps) was raised as an orphan and raised in captivity. But after she was released, oh, and then they released her. Sorry, she didn't escape. They released her into the wild. Um, I'm just going to back up a bit because I got one piece wrong. So Otter 841's mother was an orphan who was raised in captivity, but then they released her into the wild. So she was, she got used to like some of the humans again, like I was saying. Um, And she, she actually started climbing a, aboard kayaks in search of handouts and um and then they uh captured her like humans captured her again brought her back in realized she was pregnant and then that's when she gave birth to 841 um so the pup because they call little otters pups was raised by her mother until she was weaned and then moved to the monterey bay aquarium to bolster her chances for success upon release 841's caretakers took measures to prevent the otter from forming positive associations with humans, including wearing masks and ponchos that obscured their appearance when they were around her. Oh, God. So they were just scary. Yeah. Well, they were just like, we don't want her to, like, know what a human looks like. Oh, my God. Just like her mom. We don't want her to turn into her mother, I guess. Oh, my God. So after one year of being in the wild without issue, we started receiving reports of her interactions with surfers, kayakers, and paddleboarders, just like her mother. (laughs) So um, we, uh, Jessica uh, Fuji, um, or Fuji, a sea otter program manager at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, said, Mm -hmm. quote, we do not know why this started. We have no evidence that she was fed, but it has persisted into the summers for the last couple of years. Oh, my God. Otter 841 was first observed climbing aboard watercrafts in Santa Cruz in 2021. At first, the behavior was a rarity, but over time, the otter grew more bold. The past weekend, the otter was observed stealing surfboards on three separate occasions. Oh, my God. On Monday, June Lee, 40, a software engineer was surfing at Steamer Lane, a popular surf spot in Santa Cruz, when 841 approached his board. Quote, I tried to paddle away, but I wasn't able to get far before it bit off my leash, he said. Mr. Lee abandoned his board and watched in horror as the otter climbed atop it and <laughs> proceeded to rip chunks out oh, of it with no. her powerful jaws. He's mad. Quote, I tried to get it off by flipping the board over and pushing it away, but it was so fixated on my surfboard for whatever reason, it just kept attacking, he said. While Mr. Lee immediately recognized the danger he was in, not everyone in the water is so aware. Last month, Noah Wormhold, uh, a 16, so a 16-year-old boy, was catching some waves with a friend off Cowell's beach in Santa Cruz when 841 swam up. I started paddling away trying to avoid it, but it kept getting closer and closer. I jumped off my board and then it jumped onto my board. It seemed friendly, so we got comfortable with it. And it was 
He was like, it was a pretty cool experience. Aww. <laughs> um, but he didn't real. But then he says um, he got caught up in the excitement at the moment and wasn't really thinking about how it could bite my finger off. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't, I guess. Okay. But just like realize like how like yeah. it would like get on the board and then like hiss at you. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> And then the young surfer watched from the water while the otter stayed atop the board as the swell rolled in. Quote, the otter was shredding, caught a couple of nice waves. What? <laughs> oh, my God. So there's just stories about this. It'll just like hop on these boards. People have to get off because it'll start like harassing them. Oh, my God. I'm looking at pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and so... um, They've been trying to capture her now because they want to bring her back. Right. right? You can't be doing that. So, um, but she keeps evading the police and like her (laughs) captors. They they have traps in the water for her. They've had like divers and uh, boats out. Wow. They, finding her is not the problem. She just surfs away. But she can get away. And so it's been, it's been a while. Like they have, they still have not been able to. And what's even more great is that there is, if you go to Instagram, the surfing otter, mm-hmm. there's an entire Instagram page dedicated to her. Um, That's amazing. It's uh, otter8841, she, her. Um, I am the Lorax of the seas. I speak for the locals. I speak for the OGs. Ah! <laughs> um, and it's really funny, actually. They have like a whole link and stuff. And I guess you could like buy merchandise and things like that. But then 50% of the proceeds go to like marine mammal conservation oh my god that's but so there's funny. all these signs there's like like a picture of this otter biting a surfboard yeah. and it's like i'm not as unhinged as i could be and i want everyone to be more grateful for that <laughs> <laughs> and they have like the don't tread on me and it's the oh otter on the surfboard um there's warning signs like at the beaches and like <laughs> little things so it's like warning Warning, surf otter yeah aggressive sea otter in this area enter the water at your own risk keep away from marine wildlife and then the sticker next to it is like being an otter is not a crime (laughs) the washington post article on this is titled how an ungovernable otter became an internet sensation yes it's so wild ungovernable Uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh that's really funny yeah, so they are still out there trying to get him. Wait, she needs a name. I can't believe they just call her by a number. Otter 841. It reminds me of like 11 from Stranger Things. Or like how Stitch was called Experiment, whatever. Yeah. Maybe we should just call her Stitch. Okay. You like Stitch. That's good. Yeah. That works. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, well, that was fun. Be aware of Surf Otter. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that's that's all we have for you guys today. So I guess we'll say... If we encountered a surfing otter, we we would would be be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Be aware of surf otter.